Welcome to Refresh, where this week we're going to talk about does our body have a set weight? Juliet, this was fascinating. Yeah. So I've, I don't know about you, but I've kind of wondered this because yes. I feel like, especially, I don't know, with me, my weight kind of levels out and that's yeah. where it stays. Yeah, when you hit like a plateau. Yes. Right? Yeah. yeah. Or you fluctuate a bit either way, but it always goes back to this kind exactly. of... Exactly certain weight. So that's exactly what I spoke about with um, Dr. Fuller, who is um, a obesity researcher and he's the author of um, his new book, which is called Interval Weight Loss. And we basically just spoke about how our bodies do actually have this set point mm. that our bodies like to stay at. Um, and there are a few reasons this happens. So the main one being, um, so our body remembers this weight being at that for a long period of time because our body wants to defend that weight. Right. Because it's used to it. It's used to it. Right. Okay. And because um, when you diet, you kind of reduce your calories and you exercise more. And that kind of shocks your body. Right. And your body wants to stay that way because anything yeah, so under might be starving. Exactly. Even if you're a bit overweight, it will want to go back there. Yes, because it's been at that weight for a while. It's oh, like no. what it, it's home for, I guess. Like it wants to go home. Exactly. So, so if I've been like a bit fat after having Alice, <laughs> that my body's made that it's new home. Yeah. But don't worry, you can reset you can your change set weight. It. And it doesn't involve fad dieting, which is great. Um, and Probably that- exactly what I'm going to do. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> so what he was saying that um, fad dieting, you know, you lose the weight, but as soon as you re- resume normal eating patterns, yes. you're gaining it all back plus, plus potentially some. more. Yeah, not worth um, it. So the whole reason dieting doesn't work is because you're decreasing your energy intake and that shocks the body and that actually reduces your metabolism mm. um, and increases your hunger. So it's that's why diets don't work, yes, right. which is pretty fascinating in itself. It is. Anyway, so to reset your body weight, what you want to do is lose small amounts of weight, um, which is individually tailored. So, you know, if you're quite um, – you've got a lot, of loose, a lot of weight to lose, you would – Obviously, do it slowly and it will take a longer period of time. Mm. So you lose a small bit of weight and then you maintain that weight loss for one month. Right. So you don't lose it, you don't gain it, you just stay at that point. And does that reset it to that new weight? Yes. Okay. And then you keep going. So the next month you lose a little bit more weight and then you maintain it for the month. And you repeat that process until you're at your goal weight. Yeah, okay. So That's it's another slow and steady kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But if you but get yeah. there and then you're more likely to stay there, I think it's worth it. Yeah, for sure. And also it doesn't sound like you're depriving yourself as much in that you get a bit of a rest, you still eat healthy, but you're kind of just maintaining for That's a little right. while. Yeah. It it's, sounds kind of it's nice. A very, yeah. It sounds achievable. Yeah. But a bit slow, you know. Everyone want, kind of wants those um, quick results. Well, but what is it, September? How, oh, okay. <laughs> you can work out your own yeah. personal <laughs> journey later. <laughs> Um, I did the next story, which is um, around Women's Health Week. So that's happening this week. And it's a really important um, week, particularly mm-hmm. because of the study that was done in, in conjunction. Really sad, actually. It was really crazy. So they, uh, they studied over 10,000 women. So a proper, you know, legit study. 60% of women are not taking part in the recommended amount of exercise per week or physical activity, they call it. So it doesn't even need to be hardcore exercise. Um, not surprisingly, most women say that's because they're too tired or they have no time. But mm. also alarmingly, within the study, they found the rates of um, diagnosed depression and anxiety quite high. About 40% of women had been diagnosed. That is really high. That's not even including the people who have it and haven't. Exactly. Been, yeah. I haven't been to get help. And so it, it was really interesting. I interviewed the Fernwood founder, Diana Williams. I love Diana because 30 years ago, she was like, right, women need a place to work out. Mm-hmm. They don't want to get ogled at in the gym by men. I don't want to do bloody aerobics DVDs or 
like probably cassettes tapes back then. <laughs> <laughs> and so she created this women-only gym. And when I interviewed her, she was really interesting because she said, look, that's changed now. Women feel pretty safe and pretty confident going into a gym, but there's mm. all these other reasons why they're not exercising. And it's true, you know, women do generally put themselves last, particularly mums. and so true. Yeah, I think it's changing for the younger generations and they're realising that they need to put themselves first. But what a lot of the clients that she sees, um, they don't realise that, you know, one gym session is just one gym session. Sure, you've missed it. But it's a snowball effect whereby then you're not getting to the gym, you're not looking after your mental health Mm. and it kind of all snowballs, which she said is why these statistics are so important because they're all linked. Mm. It's not just about working out to look good and that, you know, working out. You want to feel good as well. Yeah, you want to feel good. And it does. It makes you feel so good afterwards. Exactly. And, you know, will lower depression and anxiety in many cases, not all cases, but many. Um, And she, so she said, you know, this week's really important for women um, to get back into health and mm. it doesn't need to be scary. Um, one thing she said she sees a lot as well with her clients is this whole Instagram fitspo thing. Um, we're following women that look incredible and, yes, they're real women too, but it might not be realistic for us to want to aspire to that. Or, yeah. you know, some people airbrush and nip and tuck their yeah, photos. That's true. So put down Instagram. Go to the gym. Yeah. And don't feel guilty about it Go for it a big well. walk. Or- go for a walk. You don't even need to sign up for an expensive gym membership because, you know, for me, I don't have a gym membership. That's a barrier all the time. I'm like, oh, I can't be bothered finding a new class or finding mm. whatever. But th- that's my excuse. I could go for a walk. Yeah. You know, I can do something at home. There's so many apps. There's so many YouTube classes, mm-hmm. you know. I'm always coming up with excuses. So I found this really interesting. Um, and I'm going to use it as a bit of a kickstart. And so is Emily, I believe. Yeah. <laughs> spring <laughs> fitness kickstart. And she's all about getting... Um, your mindfulness in check too so you know you've got to be mentally ready and feeling good otherwise it's just not going to happen mm. so you've got to address the whole thing which yeah. we know we know but just <laughs> putting it into practice and then emily you did this next one how to nail a job interview are you yeah. planning on leaving us <laughs> <laughs> sort of brush up on my skills but no it's an important one because um you know it like the job market is hard and if you do are you lucky enough to sort of get um, an interview, it means that you, you know, you actually have a real shot at, mm. you know, landing yeah. this position. Yeah. And then you don't want to muck it up. Yes. You get so nervous. Yeah, oh. I know. It's hard. So, um, there are heaps of things that we covered, um, like in terms of when you should arrive. Um, it should be 10 minutes before your interview, but yes. not. Before Any earlier. That. I agree. Yeah. Too early is annoying. Yeah. So annoying. Yes. And so if you get there too early, just do a couple of laps of the block. Or, <laughs> or like <laughs> Julia did when she came in for her interview. I, I think she was she flew down from Brisbane, bless her. She got the job. But you, weren't you like three hours early? Yeah, I was three hours early. So just she just went chilled to the at cafe. the cafe. Oh, God, love her. That's oh. so funny. Oh, I should mention that I was speaking to people leadership expert Karen Gately about this. Yes. And she knows. She knows what's up. She, she knows, knows what's up. And she was great. And um, I asked her other questions like, um, what to say if you're asked about your weaknesses, which yes. is the I'm worst question. That question still asked. I know. What are your biggest weaknesses? Oh. What do you say to that? Well, what, she was I'm great. a perfectionist. She yeah. Said, yeah, no, she said, my first bit of advice is don't say I'm a uh, perfectionist. Yes, because that's the what stock standard, whatever yeah. yeah. She says it annoys just about everybody who interviews people. <laughs> yes. Um, but she was saying, you know, the, actually, Juliet, why she was saying their question is asked still mm. is it's about being able to demonstrate accurate self-awareness and an Mm. ongoing commitment to learning. Mm. So it's about saying she would respond to that along the lines of, well, there are many things professionally and personally I'd like to concentrate in my life or in my life, but the things I'd like to most focus on at this point are so you're kind of blah, switching blah, blah. or like turning around the, the question. Yeah. question. Yeah, changing the angle sense. a bit. Yeah. yeah, and then give them some honest insights. So, and um, yeah, but throw the perfectionist thing out the window. It's yes, been done. Really? No. 
Yeah, no, 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 no. And I also asked her, because obviously when you go to a job interview, you want to research the organisation, you want to yes. research the role, you want to know what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, can you ever be too prepared? Mm. And she said, no, but you can be too rehearsed. Oh, so That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Because you, you don't want them... You don't want to feel like you're interviewing a robot or yeah. someone who has like got palm cards in yeah, the back. Yeah, because you head. want to get a feel for their personality yeah. and, and what they're like as well, you know. Yeah. So you need them to be real in some way. Exactly. And so she said, if you um, if you're practicing and practicing and you're starting to realise that you're coming up with the same stocks, maybe like take a break because yes. they want to see who you are. Correct. As, yeah. Yeah. And then I thought it was interesting. What if you asked an inappropriate question? Yeah. Because. Yeah. And, and it happens. I mean, I don't know if people realise, but you can't yeah. ask someone's age or marital status or whether they're going to have children, having to plan children, you know, or religion or anything like that. Yeah. But I don't know if all employers know that. Yeah, I know. When she said that it's, an, it's a real judgment call, and um, she said if they ask you a question that's unlawful, and the classic example of this is asking women when you're planning on having children, having children yes, that you are within your rights to sort of call them on it yeah but how do you do I know. that can you imagine but then she also said no comment yeah. if, <laughs> i'm not comfortable answering that question it depends also i guess on the vibe if the interviewer is asking it and you think that they're actually really deciding on whether or not you can get the job because of this she's like do you rec- like want to work for them anyway that's yeah, so true would, yeah. that's a really good point yeah yeah but then she said but if it's just some she looks look sometimes people ask dumb questions if yeah. someone just blurts it out like yeah. you know just feel it out just feel it out feel interesting. it interesting i know a lot of girlfriends who take off all their wedding or engagement rings really just to give no sign of whether you know if they're engaged or newly married that they might oh. go okay kids are next i mean it's sad that people have to think that way but maybe wear no rings yeah and just one last thing i asked mm. her for the biggest no-nos yes and i thought it was really interesting um because she said one thing to steer clear is um which is swearing she says it sounds obvious but if the <laughs> other person is swearing <laughs> then you can sometimes if you want to establish banter. Yeah, right. God, like, where are they going a job for? Oh my goodness, I don't know. But she's like, it's just not worth it. It's too risky. Yes. And then what I thought was really interesting, she said, expressing political opinions. And I was like, duh. And she's like, no, because Trump is in now and yeah. everyone kind of thinks we're on the same page. page. Yeah. The people can be like, oh, how much of an idiot is Trump? Yes. Your boss could be a yep. Trump supporter. You just yep. don't know. Yep. She's like, that's actually become much more risky now. Yes. Never discuss politics. That used to be the old rule. No politics at dinner parties. Yeah. Mm. So no politics in job interviews. Yes. Cool. Steer clear. Awesome. I love mm. that. Mm. Um, Juliet, you wrote the next one. The difference between serving size and portion size. This blew my I, mind. When I read the email from um, Live Light, I was like, wait, there's a difference? Yeah. yeah. So I spoke to um, Alison McAleese and we talked about the difference between this serving size and portion size. Mm. And I think this confusion has a lot of us overeating or undereating a lot of totally. different foods. We're all overeating the good stuff and undereating <laughs> the healthy stuff. <laughs> Typical. So a serving size actually refers to a set amount of food which is based on the amount of energy in the food. So that, that's kind of what you see on the back of like um, in that table. Back of a packet of bread or cereal. Yes. And then a portion size. And that size, helps you compare, right? Exactly. Yeah. And then a portion size refers to the amount a person should eat, depending on the individual and their daily energy needs. So a portion may be more or less than a serve. serving. Right. Oh. So you so, might want to have like. Two serves of breakfast cereal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So portion is individual yes. and a serve is... So like, two serves of a breakfast cereal equals Juliet's portion. Exactly. Ah. I know. 
So what have we been getting wrong? Oh my gosh, we get so much wrong. Okay, so um, vegetables we underestimate. So mm. one serve of vegetable isn't like a lettuce leaf. Yeah. It's <laughs> so your burger does not count, <laughs> that, that lettuce and beetroot. So a serve of veggies is half a cup of cooked vegetables. So, you know, like broccoli or whatever, or one cup of raw vegetables. So like your salad ingredients. Um so we underestimate that. So we're probably eating, you know, like maybe half a carrot and thinking that that's, counts. that counts. Yeah. yeah. The second thing that we um, either underestimate or overestimate. Um, so we mentioned the cereal breakfast grains. Mm. So a lot of us look at the back. Oh, I know I do. Mm. And you see that one serve is like a quarter of a cup and obviously that's not enough. So no. you feel like you're... That's like you know, one grain of cereal. I know. So you feel yeah. like you're overeating. Yes. But depending on you know, how much energy you need, you might need two or three servings of that to make yes, up your, your breakfast portion. portion. Yes. So it depends on, you know, what your energy needs are. Yes. But so how much you're exercising, your yeah. weight, your goals, yeah. your, the rest of your diet. Exactly. It's really individual to create your portion. Exactly. But I think generally two two servings is pretty good. So okay. you could have like, you know, one cup of dry cereal. Or, yes. Um, you know, yeah, you don't want to have the whole cup. box and be like, this is my yeah. portion. <laughs> <laughs> I need more. Damn. <laughs> That is so interesting. Yeah. Um, meat is another one we overestimate. Um, so a serving size of meat is only 100 grams. It's the size of your palm, isn't it? Yeah, which is nothing. So yeah. you yeah. know how you get those, you know, two portions of meat or steak? Yes. And yeah. That's like actually four or five servings. That's nuts. Yeah. My husband actually eats those two in one go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it, I thought it, like chicken is the same as steak, yeah. which is wild. I thought I you'd know. be able to eat more chicken, yeah. but no. Mm-hmm. Fish is a little bit more, but yeah. So just um, use the use your palm. So your As a guide. your your protein wants to be around the size of your palm. I wish I had bigger hands. I know. Um, this one was really scary. So chocolate. You know how you see like a Mars bar or whatever. Yes. That's actually two servings. Yes, it's so rude. So and how much are you meant to have in a day? You're supposed to have, um, I think, one or two servings of discretionary foods. So that's like a treat. A treat. Yeah. So half a so Mars bar. Maybe half a Mars bar. Or maybe yeah. a whole one if you're not including a lot of fat or oils throughout the day. But, you know, you often have a Mars bar and then all the other things. Yeah, like and like lots like of butter, butter and toast diet or... coke. Exactly. Oh, my God. It adds up so quickly. Yeah. I know. But anyway. it's good to know. Now that we know this, we can, you know, knowledge yeah. is power. Knowledge is power. Awesome. Well, also, we have a special treat now. So LJ is one of our journalists here, and she a few weeks ago interviewed Dr. Brad McKay. He is from Embarrassing Bodies, which is a wonderful show. show. <laughs> Look, it's, it is what it is. It's that pervy voyeuristic TV that we love. But he came in and he had so much interesting stuff to say. So we're going to cross to a few of his um, snippets throughout the coming weeks. Um, you know, it's a whole bunch of common medical problems, but some of them are potentially embarrassing. So we'll hear a bit about that. Thanks for joining us, Dr. Brad. It's great to have you here. Thanks for having me. And can we please talk about the top three embarrassing things that people talk about? And I understand number one is anal lumps. (laughs) Well, as a GP, I always have people coming into the room and they'll always go a little bit bright red when they're starting the conversation. They'll look up into the corner of the room and then they'll say... I've just got something a little bit embarrassing to talk with you about. And whenever somebody really says that, they're probably talking about a a lump on their ass. When should you be worried? 
Um, well, <laughs> you should be worried if there's a lump that's just developed there. You should really get that checked out. But there's a variety of different things that it can be. The most common thing that happens is hemorrhoids. So uh, that is generally what happens in people when they're in their mid-20s. That's often when it starts, but it can happen at any any age after that time. Uh, and people freak out. So sometimes uh, if you've got a lump that you can feel there, it can feel very smooth and uh, very round um, with a... a no rough rough edges at all. Um, and what we find is that some people will often see that there's bleeding as well in the toilet. So their their hemorrhoids will bleed intermittently. Uh, and a lot of people just think that they've either got hemorrhoids or that they're dying from cancer. That's usually people thinking that they're dying from cancer. Do people wait until there's pain down there? Uh, so that's probably the case because people will often leave it for a long time. Sometimes they'll be bleeding every bowel action for about six months and not getting it checked out. Um, when it becomes painful, so you can get what's called a thrombosed hemorrhoid where there's a little blood clot that sits in the, the hemorrhoid itself and that can be intensely painful. Um, the treatment for it, which I don't often do, is, <laughs> is uh, using a little bit of local anaesthetic and then putting a knife into it and then extracting. It's like popping a big pen but you're just getting a blood clot out and that can alleviate people's pain quite considerably but it can also bleed like crazy so you're not wanting to do it too uh, too willy-nilly. But Dr Brad, I understand the important thing though is that people actually come and see a doctor about it. Don't just leave it. Well, a lot of people will be bleeding um, with every bowel action and they just keep on going and don't even look at the toilet. They won't know what's going on and I really recommend for all of my patients, whenever you go to the toilet, whenever you're doing a poo, look into the into the bowl, not into your bowel, but into the bowl, and that would be a bit difficult, uh, and then see if there's blood there. Because if there's blood, you're wanting to get things sorted out. It may be something as innocent as a hemorrhoid, um, but it could also be a polyp, so you can have a little growth in your colon. If that's left for long enough, that can become a bowel cancer. It, it can take about sort of five five years or so for a small polyp to grow into a bowel cancer. But yeah, fresh blood or a blood that's a, as a clot uh, coming out, so a dark purple colour, um, that could be a sign that there's a cancer lurking somewhere in your bowel. Now, another thing that women are often embarrassed to talk to their doctors about is painful periods. Yeah, I don't know if it's just me, um, but I, I find that a lot of my female patients are a little bit hesitant to bring up their periods. I think there's something about um, a, a female talking to a male uh, that they think that it's women's business and they forget that it's sort of doctor's business as well. So, uh, yeah, it's it's always a bit of a hesitant conversation. Um, but yeah, it's something that needs to be sorted out. And uh, I always get upset when people haven't brought it up with their doctor and they've been having terrible periods, um, painful, horrible cramps, um, lots and lots of blood flow. And especially if people are taking time off school or work, that is a disaster. And yeah, like nobody should be really taking time off work for their periods. Um, we should be able to get things under much more significant control. Now that we're on the subject of embarrassing female things, the word discharge has come up in conversation between you and I when we had a chat before we started recording. And it's a word that I think fills a lot of women with a bit of revulsion. 
So what can we say about discharge? You're even blushing as you're saying the word discharge today. Look, this is part of my life. I I say it a lot. And yeah, a lot of people don't quite know how to do it. They're like, oh, there's a bit of um, something down there and I don't quite know what it is. And and I'm there going, oh, look, is it green? Is it grey? Is it it beige? (laughs) Like, is it blood? What's going on? So (laughs) I think I just uh, freak people out a little bit too much with my inquisition. But yeah, like discharge really needs to get sorted out. So particularly for vaginal discharge, if people are getting uh, like a, a greggy discharge that's coming out, if it's getting a little bit itchy, um, or particularly if it's a really fishy smell, um, that can be particularly uh, bacterial vaginosis. So that's when all of your good bacteria starts to decrease in, in concentration, and you get a lot of bad bacteria that come along and uh, and take over the, the vagina and then create a, a terrible fishy smell from the bacteria that's there. If women don't want to go to their doctors, what do you find they often do? Do they try home remedies or do they see you as a last resort? Well, one of the problems with bacterial vaginosis is that women will often just keep on cleaning. They'll they'll douche, they'll use lots of water to, to wash out their vagina, thinking that that's the way to do it. But what that does is it just washes out all the good bacteria and all the bad bacteria, and then the bad bacteria just grows back again. And so it's really a, a clean person's disease. And so what we really uh, advocate to, to do is use some antibiotics, so whether that's intravaginal antibiotics or even tablet antibiotics as well um, to kill off the bad bacteria. Um, sometimes people use probiotics as well to replenish their their bad uh, replenish their good bacteria in their vagina. Um, but yeah, it's something that you really need to be seeing a doctor. And some people will go for, for years without getting treatment. Um, they'll be stinking out the bathroom whenever they're going to the toilet at work. And um, yeah, it's something that's that's highly treatable, but you just need to get the right help. I mean, the main message is that women really need what we all need to put embarrassment aside and just tell ourselves that doctors are used to everything. You shouldn't be embarrassed about anything in front of your doctor. Yeah, it's weird when people come in and they're blushing like I've seen everything before. <laughs> your, your GP, your doctor has sort of seen everything under the sun. Nothing's really going to shock us. We've been well trained to cope with everything that that could possibly come our way. So it, it's important to realise that, and yeah, and, and to go and seek treatment. Uh, one of the issues as well is that women are sort of like two thirds of GP consultations. So about one third are guys coming in, and yeah, guys die a little bit quicker than women. Uh, we don't quite have the same life expectancy as women in Australia, and so yeah. We're, we're working on it. We're getting a lot better. We're getting guys to speak up, um, getting uh, clinics a little bit more friendly for men as well. Um, oh, there's a clinic idea that's just started up, which is sitting, like going and see your doctor at a bar, oh, which yes. is just weird. That's yeah, strange. it's like to try to uh, to get an environment that guys feel comfortable. So I think you, you pull up your beer and sit down next to your doctor and maybe talk about your alcoholism. So that's, <laughs> yes. I don't know if the doctor's drinking the beer as well. But yeah, this is the strange clinic idea that I've heard of lately. That's very strange. So there you have it, guys. Thanks for listening. Please tune in next week. And don't forget to check out our other podcasts. We've got Breaking the Ice and we've got HuffPost Humans.